years. For two years, basically, I didn't really have any conversations with adults besides my husband, mm. Monday to Friday. Mm. And that was really, really hard. I mean, even when I say it now and realize what a big deal that was, I I struggled a lot and I, and I had a lot of day-to-day struggles and frustrations. And, yeah. And Where's the parking lot with people lingering around? Like where? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> behind the microphone and behind the laughs and giggles you might hear within these conversations is an invisible illness. Something which I don't talk about regularly. Something which I'm probably in a little bit of denial about still. <laughs> something which pops up at the most inconvenient times. It's called rheumatoid arthritis. While my symptoms and experiences with the whole journey have been varied, it is something which I don't think that I can keep ignoring anymore. Our guest today has helped within that experience and within that realisation. Amy Stevenson is someone which I was so pleased to be able to talk to and I believe that the feeling was mutual. She shares with us not only about her own invisible illness but the travels that have taken her there. I'm Linda Bonney and this is Stories with a Sunday Roast. Amy Welcome to the community. Thank you so much for joining us. All the way from Cape Town. (laughs) Amy, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to dive into this chat for lots of reasons. We've come across each other in the clubhouse community and different circles of different things, but I'd really love to start with, I guess, who you are and where you are and little bit about your upbringing and that sort of thing so tell me who are you (laughs) Uh, where are you and yeah a little bit about yourself cool thanks Linda thanks for having me Uh, yes like you said my name is Amy and I live in Cape Town well I I grew up in Cape Town right in the middle of the you know Table Mountain is the iconic feature of Cape Town and then right at the back is where the suburbs are that people live in. So I grew up in one of those suburbs, very central. But now I live about half an hour away. It's kind of a big town called Sunsbury. It's also on a mountain. Um, it's, it's in the false bay area. So we also look up onto the sea. And I am married. I have a daughter who's just three. And I work as a virtual assistant and a reels coach. Mm, yes, I love watching some of your reels. They are definitely a lot of fun, and I think you have. A, I think <laughs> you have a lot of fun making them as well. Mm. I think I have more fun making them than anything else. <laughs> yeah, it's almost become part of your everyday now. <laughs> I think definitely. Do you find yourself making them every day? Do you think? I wish I could make them every day, Linda. That's mm. like my favorite part of the day. But I, I have to make them all in one kind of go. So I've got a whole bunch. Yep. But then 
I actually find that I save a whole lot in my drafts and I never actually post them mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I can't find a reason because I want to have a point in posting them. Uh -huh. So I try and think of something clever to put with it or like a clever hook or a clever message and I can't. And I just, then I've just made them for the sake of making them. <laughs> but, um, but actually with my friends, they now know me as, and my family actually, I'm the, I'm the, the reels queen as well with my, my family. So whenever yeah. we have a, a girls night or a family dinner or something, they know that there's going to be a reel involved. <laughs> so I've gotten everyone in on it and they like it. They complain, but they like it. Really? Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about your family. You've got a sister, I believe, um, just the one sister. Is that right? Right, yeah. Okay. My um, my mom and dad are my sister and me. My dad was married before, so we have brothers and sisters from his previous marriage. So we have quite a nice, big, mixed family. Yeah. And did they grow up in Cape Town as well? A little bit outside of Cape Town, maybe an hour and a half mm -hmm. in a, a town called Worcester. They grew up with um, their mom. Mm -hmm. So we would spend time together on the holidays and when they studied, because Cape Town has the better universities and yep. tertiary places. Mm -hmm. So then they would come and stay with us and, and then we got to spend time with them. They're all older than me, so we got to spend time together when they studied. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> and I know that one of the favourite reels that I saw recently was your journey, I guess, with your now husband as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, can, yes. you, can you explain a few of those photos that I saw? How, like, Let's start with, so how did you meet? How did that come about? I was like, I'm trying to think of which, which photos have I put on that reel. <laughs> you know, making that reel was so fun because you have to like, you can only have about 20, you know, but then you have to go through all of the folders to try and find a good collection. And that was really special to, after seven years of marriage, to kind of get a bit of a, a walk through memory lane of all the years, which is kind of, I guess, what we're doing as well walking down memory lane yeah, exactly um, <laughs> yeah. yeah but we yeah so we met the story of how we met was that ryan my husband moved down from johannesburg which is more the economic hub of the country yep. moved down to cape town to study a theology degree because he he'd been working for a while and he wanted to take some time and kind of do some years at a, a seminary study the bible and he came to cape town and his friend invited him to visit our church. And we both, we say we have the same spiritual gift, which is that we're always the, the last people in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> or at any event, really. It's mm -hmm. not just church. We also, any party, and um, some people would say it's overstaying your welcome. <laughs> we just enjoy talking to people, especially at the end, that's when you have the good conversations, yeah, you know, yeah, after yep. the party's dying down. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. So we, I obviously spotted him in the, when I, you know, was at church. We have a very, had a very small church. So I knew that he was there and he was this really nice looking tall guy. 
and I I was definitely not going to rush away on that particular day. <laughs> so we were the last people in the parking lot, and then we met, and then I just I became the person that he would always ask stuff very casually (laughs) follow me to wherever the lunch was after church or he would message me to ask me you know what songs are we going to be doing in the band or what should we bring along to this thing he could have asked anyone but he always asked me yeah funny (laughs) (laughs) and our friendship just grew very naturally through doing a lot of group things and friend things and community things and serving in church and then one day he kind of laid it down really intentionally very, <laughs> very in, intensely but I wasn't scared away and yeah. his he, he came with the you know what I don't want to waste your time I don't want to waste my time you're the one <laughs> you weren't even dating <laughs> no. you're the one I know it He'd been thinking about it and praying about it for three months. And he was like, I'm certain, so I want to marry you. So what do you think? <laughs> and I was, I surprisingly, was not, <laughs> was not scared off by it. I oh. was like, wow, a, a guy who knows what he wants. <laughs> but I did need to take some time <laughs> to think about it. I didn't, like, agree to marriage right away. It took me a couple of a couple of months. <laughs> but it was... It was a good thing because then we started dating very intentionally and got to know each other. And I went up to meet his family, um, and we just have never looked back. Yeah, <laughs> and you've travelled. <laughs> you've travelled together as well. Yeah. So after mm-hmm. Ryan finished his three-year Bible college degree, we went to South Korea to teach English which is something that I did when I was single with my two best friends. So that was a pretty cool experience. And wow. I knew what it would mm. be like. Mm. <laughs> and, and I knew that I enjoyed going with people that are connected to my past and my future. So yeah. Yeah. when the opportunity came up for us to go, it was like, wow, this will be amazing. But it's quite an intense experience. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the other side of the world. It's mm-hmm. a different language. Mm-hmm. They pay for your flights and your, your accommodation and everything, plus a, a salary, but they give you the accommodation. So they choose where you're going to stay. And we had this one room. It, that's all. That was all it was. The wow. bed was in the room. And then on, on the right-hand side is your kitchen, where you might normally have your cupboards. And the far four cupboards with you for your clothes, <laughs> and the next four cupboards are actually your kitchen. And then there's a little sink and a little cooking stove top, no oven, and you know the pull out pull out table. And there's a little washing machine. You open the door and there's a washing machine, and then you have a little bathroom. <laughs> and and their bathrooms are all one. It's a shower room basically. So the the shower is the bathroom. <laughs> Wow. turn the shower on and everything's in the same the same place <laughs> so it was it was you were just newly married in this tiny little yes. pokey oh, intimate yes. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> was... let's just say linda we had all the fights 
<laughs> yeah. All mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. We, we definitely discussed a lot more than I think most couples do in the beginning of marriage. Yeah. But we also, I think we learned that we are on one team mm-hmm. because we needed each other so much and there was, there was no choice but to always figure it out. Because there was not, there wasn't even another room you could no. go and help in, <laughs> except the toilet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is cold. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, how do you find a bit of space in that? Especially if, there like you one. said, it's it's already intense because you're on the other side of the world in a completely new language, mm. probably quite full days of intense like learning or attention or like just um general teaching teaching and tiredness and (laughs) Mm. that is such so many contributing factors there alone (laughs) oh goodness exactly yeah yeah but you got you got through the other side how long were you there for yeah, we we actually stayed for two years. So oh, right. halfway through our first year, we we apparently were enjoying it so much that we extended yeah. <laughs> for another year. <laughs> we just had such a great school and such mm. great bosses, and that's it's not always the case with teaching overseas in a foreign school. So we just we just decided to stay for another year, and then we came back after two years. So. In those two years, did you have any uh, particular moments or students or mm, just memorable, I guess, events that stuck in your mind a little bit for certain reasons? Hmm. I think the one is kind of a a sad story, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it taught me a lot about myself. Where I worked, there were a lot of children, obviously Korean children, that came to me for lessons. And then there were teachers, Korean teachers, who would teach grammar. And I think it was intimidating to speak to me because I am English. And even though their English understanding and theory was very good, I think... I made them nervous or they were nervous to speak to me in front of the students. So for two years, basically, I didn't really have any conversations with adults besides my husband, Mm. Monday to Friday. Mm. And that was really, really hard. I mean, even when I say it now and realize what a big deal that was, I... I struggled a lot and I, and I had a lot of day-to-day struggles and frustrations. And, yeah. <laughs> and Where's the parking lot with people lingering around? Like where? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. None of those, mm. even, you know, going into the grocery store or just seeing someone, that, bumping into someone that went to school with you. And, and I grew up in the kind of suburb where your school and your church and your mall and your friends' houses are all in the same suburb. It was a really, really central suburb in Cape Town. We were probably quite privileged to live there. So we mm. bumped into people all the time. I even and yep. I worked there after studying as well. So <laughs> yep. this was close a, near a big close. challenge to right. So I think I realized how important people are 
to me. And even though I am an introvert, I realized that I have to make time for people. And when we came back, it was really important to to join groups. And I joined a mom group. And whenever there were things happening, I would go, even when I was tired and, you know, like maternity leave and that postpartum time, you're not really feeling particularly social. Yeah. <laughs> but I had I'd had the opposite for two years and I just knew that I needed friends and I needed people, yeah. I guess, anyone to talk to that could change, take the burden off of my mm. fourth year husband from having to be my only friend for two <laughs> years. Yeah, and I, I guess I learned one really big thing as well is I had a couple of friends who stayed in touch. I think for a lot of people when you go overseas, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And yeah. and life just gets busy and it's not oh, anyone's fault. Everyone's yeah. really, really busy. And I had two friends who who were just amazing. And and we would send WhatsApp voice notes. And I guess that's also, you know, the audio the audio conversation. I don't think we my did favorite. a single video call. <laughs> exactly. It's my favorite. In two years. Mm. We never we never ever video called like it, it, I think we did on a birthday and it kind of felt really weird because we were so used to <laughs> the voice like, notes. Yeah. And yep. right. Yep. And that and those friendships just really um really blossomed because they continued over those years and it showed me that you don't have to be in the same place mm-hmm. as someone for a relationship to continue and to actually blossom and to, to grow deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's that sense of yeah. real community, I think, as well. It's not necessarily just the people connection that you need, but it's the sense that you sort of have that support and the company and the feeling of, I guess, um, safety in a way. <laughs> and, yeah, it's just like a bit of a cosy blanket, I think, that you can have people that you, like you said, just chat about stuff, <laughs> just right. stuff. And I think that's a big mm. part of what happens in the teenage sort of years where you will have friends who will just you just sort of hang out. You don't really talk about anything too profound or deep or anything. You just sort of hang out. And I think we still need a little bit of that in our adult life as well. And so it's, yeah, it's really great to hear. What was it like when you came back after two years and having that connection across the world, even if it's mainly audio, where what was it like to then come back and be like oh my gosh now we can finally actually (laughs) see each other and that sort of thing yeah Mm. had much changed do you think while you were away in um yeah yeah so for the 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 people that i that we for the people that i chatted with the whole time Mm. it was like picking up where we left off there was we just slotted straight back in the one was my best friend and we actually had moved to Sunset West around the corner from her so oh. <laughs> we never needed a catch-up we just carried on and then she was there you know after my baby was born and we've just been in the mom's group and we've never we haven't stopped 
Yeah. And then the other one lives closer to where my mom lives. And because so I had my daughter and she actually had her daughter three months later. Wow. Yeah. Um, yep. But because we lived a little bit further apart, my mom group and her mom group weren't in the same area. So it was a little bit harder to mm. see each other. But because we've gotten into the rhythm of the voice noting, and in that postpartum time, you often, you know, you have a lot of things you want to talk through. We just kept up the voice noting. And now, I mean, obviously there was lockdown and no one was seeing each other. Mm. And it's funny, though, those friendships I would still consider um, two of my best yep. because I think, you know, you also think, I don't, I know that that was a difficult time for me and those two people were really there for me. Mm. And they kept checking in and they didn't just think, oh, Amy's fine. Like, Amy's a strong person. Amy's mm. always <laughs> makes friends easily. They they still wanted to be my friend, even though I might have been in Korea for five years. Yeah. You know, it didn't matter when we were coming back. Mm. And that's, yeah, that was very special. Mm. It's quite, but, but, quite rare, I yeah. think, to find sometimes as well. <laughs> yeah, but besides that, I think the you know the reverse culture shock in general was yeah was really tough. I think we still we still miss living in Korea. There's so many things we miss. Yeah, and um, because that became home mm-hmm. for a while, and it was a home in a time when we were establishing our relationship and building the foundations of our marriage. So a lot of us as a couple is intertwined with that space and that the way of doing things. And so we often reminisce and we think back with fond memories, even though it was a challenging season. Hmm. Um, That kind of feels like our home just as much as South Africa is our home, which is weird because we aren't Korean and we only <laughs> lived there for, for two years. Yeah. Yep. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really, when it has that much of an impact on you as well, it doesn't really leave you. And I think you need to adjust. You really do need to adjust when you do come back because all of a sudden then you have to settle back into probably, you know, working in the traditional sense in different to teaching English. It's a different sort of work, I think, when you're at home mm. as well. And I know that you also work from home with your husband, usually in qu- quite close proximity now. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not everybody can do that either. So, yeah, I'm sure that ha- still has its ups and downs and challenges, especially with a little one running around now as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 So Definitely. maybe those couple of years got us into a good practice for. Yeah, I think so. For working with small spaces. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about what that looked like when your daughter came along. So three years that would have been just pre-pandemic sort of era is that yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. right yeah and um, she was born in august yep and then the the lockdown started the next march uh-huh. right so yeah. at first ryan and i came back and we were teaching english online right um but with it with the chinese company and we could be both be at home and it was 
super flexible. But then with having Kenzie, I couldn't sign myself up for classes anymore because it wasn't, I didn't have a predictable schedule. No, you didn't. As you know. <laughs> yeah. So, it, so I, I had to stop and Ryan kind of took the, the full burden of doing all the classes, but it meant he was always working. But we were both always home. So that was nice. We were, we were always home together. We were in a much smaller flat. And then when Kenzie was six months, I was planning on working again, but getting a job as a boot camp trainer or maybe in a gym, because that, that was my experience and my training is in fitness, the fitness industry and, and personal training and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then lockdown hits and obviously all the gyms closed. Mm-hmm. The boot camp that I had previously worked with, they um, li- liquidated, I think that's the word. Yeah, yep. Um, and so, it, so there was suddenly, I didn't know what I would do. And then a very good friend learned about being a virtual assistant and was able to just start off with, during that time, studying a course and then doing some work for people virtually. And yeah. sometimes it was social media and then blog writing and podcast management. And as you know, that's how I met the the amazing Kim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so I've just loved being able to work from home and work flexibly. So, mm-hmm. you know, because even when you work from home with the online teaching, it was still very rigid. Mm-hmm. But as a virtual assistant, I could just work at night or during Kenzie's nap times. I mean, as she slept less <laughs> and I was getting more work <laughs> became more challenging mm-hmm. and so we found a lovely little school and she can go there with my best friend's daughter and they in the same little class and and then we kind of were bursting at the seams because our little flat where we lived before people only be there for about a year and then with the lockdown we couldn't find a new place and then we were just going month to month. We actually thought we would have to go overseas again. And wow. that didn't work out. And because it, the borders closed at the time we were going to go. Yeah. And so we were kind of a bit like unsettled yep. for a long time. And Kenzie needed her own room. But the room, the second room was Ryan's office. So <laughs> she didn't have a room. And her toys were everywhere. And um, it was quite a challenge and I would work I would just work at the dining room table you know I didn't even have a we didn't even have space for a second desk so then when this place that we currently live in now so there's this I guess there's the spoiler is it has there is a silver lining (laughs) about about five months ago there was a you know a place became available on our property the website you look at and we just came and looked at it and it's just amazing. It was everything that we wanted. Yeah. And it's, I mean, even this morning, we were sitting, having our lunch. There's a little enclosed patio. And we have a garden, which is amazing because we were on the second floor with no garden. It's our first garden that we've ever had as a family. And mm. I grew some grass. My dad came over <gasps> and he helped me raise some grass. <laughs> so it went from a disgusting old dirt spot <laughs> to, yeah. to now half of it's got some grass growing. And we just sat there. It's very, very green. There's a lot of mm. trees. You know, we're on a mountain slope. So there's a lot of trees. There's a lot of rain. 
and, and there's birds in the trees and there's bumblebees because now for us, you know, in the southern hemisphere, spring is coming. So there's little lizards yep. crawling around. Same, same. Yep, the blossom comes out. And the flowers, the blossoms. And yep. it's just, it's this beautiful little cottage type house. And we are just so happy. It was such a blessing when that worked out because now Kinsey has her own room and we have an office we can work in together. And it's obviously, even that's a privilege because not everyone, mm. it's, it's not a necessity, you know, and yeah. people people carry on doing all those things in much smaller spaces. And, and especially here in South Africa, we see that all the time. There's such a big gap between rich and poor. So mm. we know that we are really really privileged to to be able to live in such an amazing place so yeah but yeah now we've been here for about four or five months mm -hmm. and we just love it so much yeah <laughs> that's so so good <laughs> and yeah like you I'm feeling extremely lucky because I do have a space an office space where I can plaster sticky notes all over the wall exactly. <laughs> and have a little one who comes in and out and in and out and in and out and he uh, was under my desk tonight actually um, in the back right in the back where I've tried to make sure he can't get apparently he was in the back there saying hiding oh. hiding hiding like yes. oh no <laughs> so yeah it, it certainly does have its own challenges though I think working for yourself and needing that self-motivation is not always the easiest of hmm, experiences if you like it's not for everyone it's not for the faint-hearted I don't think and it's definitely challenging at times with the toddler aspect as well <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I, I, I think for me, I guess I just had such varied work experiences. I guess yeah. you could say I've had yep. the, you know, the, the living in Asia and working with children who can't understand me and it's just super intense. And then I've had teaching boot camp at 6 a.m., yep. you know, every morning, <laughs> sometimes in the dark and you have to go out and sometimes it's raining and working at the gym, you know, you're there from 4.30 until lunchtime and it's different shifts. And, and so I just, I find it amazing that I can be at home. It's so calming mm. to be able to yep. look out of the window and this is, I'm home. And if anyone needs me, I'm home and I can, I can work. And I, I stopped working for quite a while. So I'm, I'm really enjoying working again yeah. after having nothing to use my brain for mm -hmm. so I love being able to work and be busy and be doing but doing nice things all the things that I do I really enjoy I yeah. can't wait to do the different things that I have to do for for my different clients and for my own business yeah. and but I can stop whenever I need to mm -hmm. and I think that's almost what keeps me motivated is that I, I can stop yeah I don't have to carry on so don't then I, yeah go out into the garden and work from there if you really desire and as yes, all, maybe, yeah <laughs> maybe in the next two two months 
Yes, it has been a little chilly. <laughs> um, so if I look at your, I think your Instagram profile, there's also a couple of words on there which I'm interested to hear about your story, if you're happy to share. The rheumatoid arthritis warrior, I think that's what it says. So <laughs> tell me a little bit about that journey. When did that present itself and what does it look like now and how? I know there's so many ups and downs there. Yeah, if you would just love to share. Yeah, it's, I, know I, I put that phrase there when, when I realised that I was actually in Korea at the time and, and I found there was a big community online of mm-hmm. People that were struggling with this and I'd only ever met two people that had rheumatoid arthritis so I couldn't believe that there were so many people out there and I followed a lot of profiles and started researching a bit but for me it started it's actually about 10 years ago now um, and when I got the diagnosis I was in I was in a lot of pain mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to to see a specialist really early on and we did all the blood tests and we did a whole bunch of trials and I started on quite serious medication early enough that it went into remission Mm. so it's quite a serious medication that that you have to be on and it's you know it can take its toll on your body yeah Um, but it also doesn't you know as the years go on it has a a lessening effect if I'm saying that the right way mm. it's not as effective mm-hmm. it's not as effective as as you go on so when we were in Korea actually so up until then I, I would forget that I had anything yeah. wrong with me <laughs> that's not the right way to say it um, I, I, people would ask me and they would be trying they would be trying to be sensitive yep. to me and saying how's your rheumatoid arthritis How's things going with your health? And I felt kind of bad because I was always fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, yep. I I just I was on the meds and I could still run and I was still going to the gym and I was working as a boot camp trainer. I mean, before I went on the meds, I couldn't even do a single squat. Mm. You know, we'd start the, the boot camp session and I'd tell everyone, This is how you do a squat, but I would have to lean on a wall and push myself up from the wall afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I couldn't I couldn't even um, change my gears because yeah. uh, yeah. we, uh, we don't we, we don't drive automatic cars yeah we yeah. <laughs> a lot of the cars are manual so I, I have a have manual change the gears. I have a manual Do car I, a lo- car? I love driving a manual car we have we have a lot of sort of both and a lot of people like the automatic uh, I love the manual I've just something about yes. it uh, <laughs> so we are in sync Yes, you betcha. <laughs> so 10 years ago, can I ask how, like, how roughly was that uh, for you when you did get that diagnosis? So was that sort of 20s, I'm guessing? Um, 30, uh, uh, 24. Okay, right, yeah. Yep. So, or 25. Yeah, 24, so, 25. so still quite young, really, to have right. that. Yes. Yeah. It, it was, the, yeah, she was quite surprised yeah. um, when yep. came in. Yeah, and it's quite a lot to get your head around, I think, at such a young age as well of 
well, what does this look like? What does this mean for the rest of my life? Am I on medication for the rest of my life? Am I in this much pain for yeah. all the rest of my life? Like what like tell us a little bit about, yeah, yeah that unraveling, if you like. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it was it was this weird combination of two quite opposite things. And mm. the one was I was experiencing this extreme pain that was, you know, when you're in a lot of pain, like you go into this kind of twilight zone. So you kind of don't care about anything yeah. Yeah. except you're, you're in this pain. So there was that, especially mm. for the first while, but because we attacked it quite aggressively and I did the, I tried the diet thing. I took the meds that I couldn't sustain the diet, but I think we, we did it it's very intensely yeah. for a month <laughs> and it, it had, it did have a, a helpful effect. <laughs> I was on cortisone and all those yep. things. And then, that next phase of, okay, it was confirmed, it is rheumatoid arthritis, I'm taking the meds, I'm on meds, a lot of people, you know, want to argue about, you shouldn't be on meds, and it was tough because I was the one that was struggling, and for a lot of people that was a theoretical conversation, but I mm-hmm. had to either live with throbbing pain from the moment I woke up the moment I went to bed or I had to be on these meds and so there was that and then it was Mm. actually amazing because then there were these three women older women in my church circles who I never knew had rheumatoid arthritis and when I found out that I had it they approached me and explained how they have had to manage their life and they just said I didn't ask them I didn't even know what to ask them because no. in the first month of having a diagnosis you don't even know what the challenges are and they just came to me and each one gave me like one piece of advice you know the one said just rest when you need to because you're going through something different now and I was like mm. oh okay and then the one said <laughs> Don't worry about the. You'll change your meds a couple of times, and don't let it be emotional. And I was like, okay. And then the other one said, I think she also she also spoke about her meds, but she spoke about eating, and she said eating will help, but don't stress about it because because you'll have you'll have ups and downs. Oh no! And the one also mentioned like pregnancy and how childbirth and. And that can also Mm -hmm. give you different ups and downs. And it just gave me like a little sprinkle, but it wasn't actually that that sprinkle message or advice that helped me. I think I looked at three women who were married and had kids and had families and I'd never looked at them and thought, oh, they are obviously plagued by an autoimmune condition. Uh, The thoughts that I'd had about them were, wow, they're so kind or I love how student-hearted she is or I love how she always invites us into her home it's so kind that she's always so inclusive of us younger younger women they were all things that they had been and not it wasn't (laughs) this health issue and I think having these actual real life people it's so much more hopeful and I thought okay well my life might look different to what I thought it was going to be I mean I never really could have imagined how different (laughs) 
but, but I think I had this yeah. picture yeah. and as yeah. I've navigated the, like the rapids and the trenches of what the last 10 years has been, having that picture, I don't even think they know how much they helped me. I should actually probably mm. make a note to get in touch with them because, um, <laughs> Well, this conversation's actually been very good, Linda. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> they, they were it's actually an inspiration. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> More than I even realised. <laughs> and I think it's very hard to hear that at the time, though, as well, because uh, I haven't had uh, maybe as much of a journey with with it perhaps as what you have mine literally flares up about three months post baby and Mm. it can literally be there one day and then go on the next and so Mm. I've had people essentially disbelieve that anything is wrong or like it's very invisible and it's very hard I think for the people around you as well because they can see a lot of the pain but then not know what to say or what to do or whether this is going to last or not or like and then sometimes don't actually even realize how much pain you are in either they like might be in a little bit of denial about that or find it very confronting and uncomfortable and so yeah so that three to six months especially for me I find it Sometimes it's hard just to get out of bed or get up and yeah. down off, you know, off the toilet or <laughs> get undressed or yeah. all those yeah. sort of things. And I still find it challenging to say that I have rheumatoid arthritis because the majority of the time I am okay, I'm fine. Yeah. I, you know, through yeah. through pregnancies I'm great. It, there's nothing. And have had specialists who've tried different medications I've reacted to those medications and then taken me off and then I'm not on anything at the moment just as I need if I need and that's it and so to actually attach myself to that and talk out loud about it to people it's not really happening in my life right now so (laughs) it's interesting um, interesting journey. Mm. I like what you said, you know, that word invisible. Yeah. That's been, that's been such a helpful phrase, that invisible disability. That's something that I picked up early on and it's helped me be gracious with myself yeah. because there are those days where, I mean, it's sometimes it's, you know, with a physical disability, you can see someone doesn't have a leg or or doesn't have an arm, yep. so you know that they're going to struggle with something. And if and if I didn't have an arm, you know, I would be gracious with myself and go, Amy, you can't do the same thing that someone with two arms can do. <laughs> but an invisible disability, because this is the thing, it's our like it is a disability, mm-hmm. but it's but people can't see it. And that's the challenge. And and so yeah. I'll even ignore it because I can't see it until yeah. until it's so bad and then you can't ignore it. But still, I'm feeling it, but no one else can see it at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, there's still a part of you that does want to ignore it, ignore this pain as well. Yeah. You do still want to think, no, I can still go for that run today. I can still, <laughs> I can still yeah. do all these things. And then you can't get the lid off the minced garlic jar and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> hang on a sec, hang on a sec. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I find that you live with these intense feelings and there's the pain and then there's also the psychological frustration and it's yeah. so much, it's so much that I almost don't want to talk about it when I'm with other people because I feel like it takes up, it's taken up too much of my day already or it's taken up too much space in my life, this problem. Mm-hmm. So when I go out or when I see people, I want to talk yeah. about normal things. I want to, I want to feel like I don't have this problem I want to talk about how difficult the day was or talk about how I couldn't get out of bed um and so then but then the problem is the people who I hang out with don't hear about the reality of what's going on and so it almost it's like the cycle so they don't know the full extent Mm -hmm. of it but I'm not sharing it but then I can potentially get frustrated because people don't know what's happening and if I say oh I'm having a bad day it doesn't just mean oh I spilled the coffee it means I've been in bed you know until two o'clock um so it's it's a it's a really difficult thing to navigate and um Hmm. yeah Linda I'm so sorry that you have to go through it too you know like oh the different the different intensities and like you're saying you only experience it three months postpartum and yeah, the and anticipation look. of that coming up oh, too, yeah. even that's <laughs> stressful and the stress mm. never makes it better no um no, not at all and look I'll get little tingles or niggles sometimes where yeah some days I'll be like oh can't seem to you know, close that fist or something like that all of a sudden and out of nowhere. But then it might die down by, you know, two, three hours out of bed. So Um. it's, again, this unpredictable and somewhat manageable period of pain and then it will, you know, sort of sort itself out again and we carry on. And so concentrating on those let's say, you know, one day where you've got a flare-up or something doesn't feel very productive to me when you've had another, you know, 60 days. <laughs> so it's just hard. It, it, for me, it can be hard to predict. I've tried to sort of track, you know, what did I eat or was I more stressed or less stressed or did I push it too hard on that bushwalk or or something like that and there doesn't seem to be anything predictable about it unfortunately yeah yeah. I feel you Linda I also I did a six month I did a journal of every factor that you could possibly think of you know everything from diet sugar gluten carbs everything Mm -hmm. exercise in the yep. morning or in the evening, stress level, uh, like, and I, I very, very religiously kept that journal and put everything in so that I could analyze it and figure out what, what was the pattern. And I, 
you know, you you notice a couple of things, but it there was no like, silver bullet solution from that from those six no. months because uh-uh. because the life keeps changing. Yeah. So the different yeah. pregnancy, childbirth, family events, mm-hmm. good things yeah. and bad things, and I think this. I mean, the biggest thing I think I've noticed is the stress, the stress factor. Yeah. That's a big one for me. I've realized in the last while is, and stress can be can be good things as well. So it can be a really exciting thing, yeah. and the intensity yeah. that I that I go into something with. So it's more intensity, I guess, than stress because it can it can be a really big high, yeah. and my body yeah. reacts to that, and it's the inflammation yeah. that comes with the intensity of that, and then the inflammation obviously then causes the pain. So I think I'm trying to stay at a neutral <laughs> and yeah. make sure that well, I'm easier said than done. We are human beings. It is exactly what we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why, why can't why can't we get excited about the next great reel that we're gonna make? And why can't we? You know, oh it's like you know, I want to stamp my foot and be like, more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so even that in itself, you're sort of swinging back and forth between this frustration and excitement. And I want to be excited, but I'm frustrated. I can't be excited. And blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. Yes. And then there's the jealousy because you look around and you see uh-huh. other people can just do the most normal things, yep. the most simple things, and it doesn't seem like a challenge, but you know, I know, I know the consequences that are going to come with this. And I know that I have to make a choice and you don't want to just be responsible all the time. No. (laughs) And you don't want to have to make the choice all the time. Why does everyone else not have to deal with this kind of um, thing? I don't know the answer. I don't know. I've just had to do it for 10 years. And I guess, um, The one thing that I know is that it's made me a more compassionate person. I don't know if I am very compassionate now. I just know that I was less compassionate before because I've I've had to realize um, a lot about how sad I feel when I can't do things Mm. and that doing something or not doing something does not equal the fact that you want to do it or not, you know, and I, and you can want to be involved in a lot of things and you can want to help people and you can want to have all these different conversations or do all these different projects and, and, be involved and you, you physically might not be able to do it, but it doesn't mean yeah. that you're lazy or you're unkind or you're not, um, you're not social or you're not people oriented or that you don't care. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so it's been a big identity shaker mm, as well. Huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Oh. Oh. Yes, much reflection and I really appreciate having this conversation. It um, yeah. yeah, it's really important to get out not just between us but into other people's mm, understanding in whatever way that takes shape as well. So hmm. one of my favourite questions that I like to ask 
As far as tell me about Cape Town Sunday roasts or your favourite Sunday roast <laughs> memories. Do you celebrate the Sunday roast or have your own version that's evolved over the years? Tell me, tell me what you remember. Yes. Well, okay. So this is I could go two ways with this question because <laughs> we did have we did have a roast on Christmases which probably did fall on a Sunday a couple of times. <laughs> in summer. So I could well. tell you, yep. in summer, exactly, definitely in summer. <laughs> so I could tell you about that, or I could tell you about our Sunday lunch, which was never a roast, but it was always a similar experience at my granny's house. Yeah, yeah. I think... Uh... Oh, goodness, that's a hard. I'm going to have to flip a coin or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me about... Do you want Sunday or do you want roast? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with Sunday. For most people, it's Sunday. Sunday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, so that's a special one because we, um, we grew up around the corner from my, my grandparents. And yep. every Sunday, my sister and I would go to them from like 12-ish until about 5 and my parents would have the afternoon off. I don't know what they did but we had the best time <laughs> at my granny and now I'm starting to understand that that was just as much a gift to them as it was to us yeah. because we they, were they probably just just napped they probably just like, yes. like <laughs> we used to ask them don't you also want to come to granny's house aren't, aren't you sad that you that's just me and Charlotte going. And they'd be like, no, no, don't worry about us. <laughs> so we would go, just the two of us, we were the first grandchildren. My granny and granddad had five kids and we were the first two grandkids of all of them. So we were definitely spoiled and loved and doted on but my <laughs> granny wasn't a cook she wasn't the wasn't that kind of granny and um, she was a games granny she loved playing games but our lunch mm. she realized very early on she just wanted us to be happy so she was it evolved from <laughs> cheese on toast like melted cheese on toast and then it became yep. melted cheese on a on a burger, but the easy, like the easy stuff, like whatever came in a yep. box, you know, whatever came in an easy <laughs> package. And then it became those margarita oven pizzas with melted cheese on top. And it was just it was just an evolution of cheese, really. <laughs> so as we got older, and then, and then she would find out what our favorite topping was, or she just wanted us to have like whatever our treat was for the week she wanted to provide that treats and then she'd also get our ice creams so we would have I mean the aunties and uncles all laughed at us because we were like the little princesses we would arrive and we'd get our, our favorite lunch that was especially that was in the freezer and no one else was allowed to touch whatever it was for the week it was there then we would have our favorite ice cream whatever the the season was that would be in the freezer for us and then we would get given biscuits. We'd all have to eat our biscuits and drink it in our tea and <laughs> in front of the TV. So it would be TV time, all three of us, me and my sister and my granny. And then my granny would go and take a little nap. And then she would come back probably an hour later 
you know, not as if we were full <laughs> enough and it would be time for tea and she would have brought our favorite <laughs> cake and so it would wow. be you know, South African, it would be a, a milk tart. That's one of the, the traditional treats, milk tart, yep. or we would have an apple crumble or sometimes it wouldn't really be a cake unless it was someone's birthday and then everyone would kind of join for the tea time section. So whatever we didn't eat of the cake, we could take home and then my parents could also enjoy that. Um, but we yeah. would leave on Sundays, like, full, 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 full. <laughs> um, so not yeah. a Sunday roast, but it was, no. it was definitely, definitely a, a very special memory. Yeah, definitely. Oh. <laughs> That's fabulous. So good. An evolution of cheese. I really like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to end. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for this conversation. Yeah, it's so so oh, wonderful to have you involved in this project, in this project, and watch its evolution, if you like, just like cheese. <laughs> just as delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, thanks for that's, having me. That's my pleasure. <laughs> oh, such a great conversation. And oof, I did a lot of reflecting after this one. <laughs> that's for sure. To think that not that long ago, Amy was just a face on the Instagram reels doing her thing that she loves and the opportunity presented itself to get to know and have a conversation almost with a stranger in a way, part of what I love to be doing. So we've definitely made sure that we've joined together in those passions. <laughs> To hear more conversations like Amy, such as our dear, dear friend mentioned in this episode, Kim White, <laughs> you can devour and binge away as much as you like, right here at your fingertips. Let's take a quick listen to Kim and what she had to chat about. I don't think I would have allowed him to love me if I wouldn't have started to appreciate who I was and look at my own self in the mirror, look in my own eyes and acknowledge the fact that I'm incredible. To hear more about current projects and the book, I'm sure that Kim White <laughs> and myself would love you to head over to lindabonnie.com. She is one of my greatest cheerleaders and would not let me get away with doing this podcast without inviting you to join me for so much more welcome on board you're in the community right now thank you so much for joining us <laughs>